MSW Media. Hey, this is Nick Jonas, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, damn, oh, damn, oh, damn, I'm so Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Dunn. What we're drinking on this episode is tequila. I know what you're saying. You had tequila last episode. That's right, I did. That was Villa One Tequila with Nick Jonas, John Barbados. On this episode, I'm drinking Casa Zul Tequila with comedian Big J Okerson. So it's a completely different thing, except for the tequila. Two different brands of tequila, same spirit. But you know what? Cinco de Mayo's coming up. That's what we're doing. I'm getting ready. I might even have tequila in the next episode. I know. Next episode is uh, John Taffer. We will not be having tequila, but maybe the episode after that, the day before Cinco de Mayo, that probably will be a tequila one too. So get just deal with it, people. Deal with it. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, Big J Okerson on the show. Philly boy, fellow Philly boy. Very excited about that. Invite you to... Uh, Follow me at The Imbiber. Follow the podcast at WWD underscore podcast. Got a website called whatwerdrinking.com. All kinds of stuff happening out there in the internet sphere, sphere, further sphere. As I mentioned, we're going to be drinking Casa Azul tequila today. Casa Azul. Casa Azul. Now, not Class Azul. Different one. Casa Azul, one word. C-A-S-A-Z-U-L. Big fan of the tequila. An old friend of mine is involved with the brand. Not that that has anything to do with why it's on the show. Wink, wink. Uh, no, I just like it. It's a produced and bottled in Jalisco, Mexico. In the town of Tequila itself, they use 100% Blue Weber agave that they source from both the highlands and the lowlands of Jalisco. So you're going to get some balance going on there. They, 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 you know, that Blue Weber agave it takes about seven years uh, for those things to be ready when they harvest them. And then, oh man, they just, anybody, if you haven't been down there, it's great to watch. They just, they quarter them and they crush them to get the juice. And then they ferment the juice into alcohol and they store that juice for like 30 to 45 days in these big stainless, beautiful stainless tanks. And once that alcohol settles, they finish it and it's beautiful. Casa Azul tequila. They've got silver, reposado, añejo, and extra añejo. Bunch of different brands I, I, I don't know what how jay's gonna drink and I, I know i'm gonna have some reposado in a margarita i'm gonna sip some on yeho yeah and it's all it's all reasonably priced stuff too we're talking between 30 and 60 some dollars you know starting with the silver and on up to the extra on yeho really good stuff beautiful bottle i think it's important to have Beautiful bottles on the bar. Man, I'm excited. Why am I so excited? It's tequila, I guess. It's getting me crazy. Tequila. I got some ideas for you. By the way, we're going to throw these out there. Creative cocktail ideas. Since we do have Cinco de Mayo coming up. One of them. You can do a tequila milkshake. I would say the uh, Casa Azul Añejo tequila. Put it in. In a blender with some abuelitos, mole, chocolate, and agave nectar. You could also just make it in a big vat. But if you just want to do it in a blender, really, really delicious. It's served in a chilled milkshake glass. And it looks like something you'd get in an ice cream shop. Another drink is called the Horny Prick. You make this one with prickly pear, which is sometimes referred to as the desert tuna. The key to this one is to properly peel the prickly pear it could get nasty in your throat um, definitely some potential for danger there if you don't peel that prickly pear the right way and you got to muddle that fruit up with lime juice agave nectar and i would do the uh casa Azul silver for that one and uh you get what you're gonna get is this like kind of electric fuchsia colored concoction it's very eye-catching 
I got one I like called the Dirty Tijuana. It's a spicy, spicy drink. Make it with hot sauce, chili, pepper. Again, I would go with the the silver Casazul for this. You're going to get that slightly sweet the herbal thing going on. It's going to work really well in this drink. You know what? Get a, like a premium olive juice. My friend's Dirty Sue right here in, in Hollywood, California. They make that Dirty Sue. Get some of that. Garnish it with jalapeno stuffed olives. Oh, man, that's a good one, the Dirty Tijuana. And then, you know, if you really just want to do, you want to be authentic, try the Bandera. It's the way real Mexicans enjoy tequila. It's named for the Mexican flag. consists of three ingredients, and they're each served separately in, in tall shot glasses. So in the first one, representing the green stripe is lime juice. I would go with Persian limes, which are sweeter and yellower than the American variety. And then in the middle glass goes the tequila. That would be, again, the Casa Azul Silver. And in the final glass goes a red shot of Sangrita, which is essentially super spicy Bloody Mary mix. And as far as the drinking order on that, it's, there isn't one. It's freestyle. You know, sip some tequila, a little lime juice, or tequila, Sangrita, lime. Mix, match, have some fun, people. Have some fun with it. So yeah, I gave you, I, don't say I didn't equip you, get you ready for Cinco de Mayo. If you want more information about the brand, go to Casazul, C-A-S-A-Z-U-L.com. I have a couple things to tell you about. I, uh, as I mentioned, John Taffer is going to be on the next episode. And on May 3rd, Monday, May 3rd, I will be on doing my regular gig on the Adam Carolla show this one's going to be the top five spirits that we've had on the, on my Corolla segments. We've had well over 60 since, since pandemic started. It's going to be the top five. We're going to celebrate sort of the end in sight here for the pandemic. And we're going to do that uh, on Monday, May 3rd on the Adam Corolla Show. As always, I invite you to send me questions, comments. I'm happy to read them here on the show, address them on the show. You can either, again, go to the imbiber, send me a message on Instagram. You can email me, go or email info at whatwe'redrinking.com, info at whatwe'redrinking.com. And if you want to leave a little voice memo thing, I'll play it on the show. I will do that for you because I care. You mean something to me. You really do. Almost as much as this tequila means to me. Let me have a little bit of it here. No, I love it. And now, a word from one of our dream sponsors. Lowenbrow Beer, circa 1982. Used to good friends. Do you guys realize this is our fourth summer place together? Remember that old beach house we had? How about the time you two almost set the woods on fire? (laughs) Okay. Who's ready for a lower brow? When you want the taste of a truly great American beer, tonight, let it be low and brow. You know, I think we finally got this down to a heart. Let it be low and brow. As the host of a show called What We're Drinking, people often ask me, hey, what are you drinking? When it comes to American-made whiskey, my go-to is Rabbit Hole. Their unique recipes were created by their founder, a guy named Cave. He and his team at Rabbit Hole spare no expense in making their bourbon and rye. They have their own cooking methods and use top-of-the-line grains. They never chill filter, and they use barrels that are toasted, charred, and wood-fired, which almost nobody does. What you end up with is a line of bourbon and rye with these really rich, deep flavors that are unlike anything you've ever tasted. What are you having? It's a question as old as the bartending profession itself. And if you ask me, the answer is Rabbit Hole. Joining me now, a comedian who has had numerous Comedy Central specials, appeared on Inside Amy Schumer, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Conan, who hasn't, Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, HBO's Crashing, P. Diddy's Bad Boys of Comedy, and This Is Not Happening with Ari Shafir. Are you impressed yet? All right, I'll keep going. He's played festivals, Bonnaroo, Gathering of the Juggalos, Funnier Dies, Oddball Festival. He co-hosted movies on tap on Spike TV. Played Neil on the series Z-Rock and appeared on multiple episodes of the acclaimed television series Louie. And I'm pretty sure he didn't even have to witness any masturbation in order to get that gig. Finally, along with his good buddy Dan Soder, he co-hosts The Bonfire on Sirius XM's Faction Talk. He's the pride of Philadelphia. Big J, 
Okerson. Jay, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. We ran out of time. That intro. Got to (laughs) go. The master of disaster, the king of sting. (laughs) How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm drinking tequila at home on a... On a Tuesday, can't be that bad. We got the uh, we got the Casa Azul tequila. I teed that up earlier in the show. We got some sent to Jay. Where are you, man? You're in New York. Yep, New York City, uh, Hell's Kitchen area. But you are a Philly boy, like myself. Born. In, what part of Philly are you from? Uh from West Philadelphia, originally Overbrook. If you know the Overbrook area, oh, of course I do, man. Yeah, I'm north, um, northeast so, yeah. Philly. We're a little bit classier over there. A little bit. A little yeah. bit more. Your Delisandros. Your Delisandros. <laughs> Steve, well, Steve's Prince of, Steve's Prince of Steaks, too. By the end of this podcast, we're both going to be talking like we're back in, completely back in Philadelphia. It always yeah, happens. Yeah, water. It's always when water. That's what hits me. We're going to get some water. Well, there's this show, man. I don't know. There's a show that just came on HBO called Mayor of Easttown, M A R E, like a woman's name. It's Kate mm-hmm. Winslet. It's the first show that I've really seen in a long time where they. I'm watching the show. I didn't have any idea what it was about. And they start talking. I'm like, wait a minute. She's nailing the Philly accent. Oh, it takes place in Philly? Easttown is like a fictional uh, sub Delaware County, like suburb okay. of Philly. And you know, Jay, like, in fact, I, I ended up Googling and I found this great article. I think it was on Salon or something about how the Philly accent is so hard to replicate that it's rarely ever done. They, it, it, you rarely see it. And they pointed out, look at the most famous movies from Philadelphia. Silver Linings Playbook. I watched an interview with Bradley Cooper, who's from the Philly area. They asked him why he didn't do a Philly accent in the movie. And he said, because nobody else was doing it. And it would have stood out, him doing it. Because yeah. De Niro's not going to do it. you know. And um, uh, Rocky. I mean, he's doing a New York accent, Stallone, in Rocky. Yeah, there's no Philly accent in anything Rocky ever. Uh, Paul, he didn't have one. Nobody. And uh, that is frustrating as all hell. It is a hard ac- accent to perfect with every word because there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's not a rule to that accent where it's like this letter, swap out for this letter. It makes sense, you know, like where you're, there's no R's in Boston, you know. If it's just uh, something A-R, just drag that A out. You know, that's the rule. There's really no – like A isn't always like double O, like water instead of water. You know, it's like that's not always the rule. It doesn't hold off like that. It's uh didn't didn't is one like didn't you do that? Like nobody says didn't. It's didn't. Yeah, didn't you do that? Yeah. I think the O's are the big tell. Hoagie, Poconos, yeah. you know, home. Ron Bennington always used to go. You want to go have a coke and a hoagie on a houseboat? <laughs> that's it. But I, with that out that out house house. I was super impressed, man. Kate, with, and this article made a, a great point, which is. It's so hard to do that even if you're from Philadelphia and you hear it done properly, it almost sounds fake because you're so not used to ever hearing it. The one that pulled it off was Nick Kroll on yeah. the, do you remember the Pennsylvania sketch? Now, is he Great. from Philly? Because how did he do it? He was so no, good, Nick I don't Kroll. Think he is. And the no, Pittsburgh I- accent's completely fucked up too, right? Yins. Yins. That's their big thing, yins. Which I just don't even know the proper usage of yins at all. Um, John, Philly John's a Philly always, one, right? John is the catch-all yeah. phrase. You can use John for anything; it can mean anything, yeah. right? It's just noun. Yeah, your John could be your girlfriend, your car, your glove. <laughs> it could really be anything. Anything you have, anything you possess, can be your John. Yeah. Anyway, it means thing. It means person, place, or thing. <laughs> We're way behind on having a toast here. So what? Do, what do you got? Now I got. I've got the Casa Azul Añejo, and I'm. You can see here, Jay, because I am from Northeast Philadelphia, the classy part. That is. Classy. I'm drinking it out of a champagne flute, which is the proper way to or tequila glass. Actually, looks like a champagne flute, but it's this is a proper tequila tasting glass. If you're going to be sipping a a nice tequila. So, because we can get the swirl going like this. And now you, on the other hand, being from Overbrook, yes. you're, you're, you're slamming the silver tequila silver. with a little, uh, Corona chaser. Yeah. I got okay. some, uh, in a plastic cup, plastic but, cup. So it chills it. I don't even pour it out of the ice into a cup by itself. Chilled. I just drink it right off the ice and then pour some more in. It makes the most sense. Coming together. Two two Here's people from other side of the tracks in Philadelphia. <laughs> By the way, when I say that, I, my neighborhood is a shithole too. Philly. I grew up in Frankfurt. Actually, you wouldn't be caught dead in Frankfurt, I don't think. But yeah, it's... Uh, mm. 
Cheers, buddy. It's uh, it's really great to have you on. As I mentioned in the intro, you've got so much going on, you know, as far as you can in this COVID time that I that sure. it looks like we're coming out of. First off, I do have to ask you, you didn't have to watch Louis beat off, right? That didn't happen? Nope. Nope. And I offered to, uh, before this even happened, I was like, hey, man, any chance you want to whack off in front of me? He was not into it. He wasn't into it at all. Was that an insult? Like, you're like, why not me? Yeah. I'm like, am I not good enough to get beat off by in front of this guy? Um, there's a great story. There's a great story too. The Louis thing, though, well, it was my first time ever. I was driving. I was oddly enough driving to Pittsburgh for a gig because I remember this. It was the first time I'd gotten a phone call, and it was from uh, Pig Newton Productions, which is a production company. And they go, "Hey, would you want to be?" Uh, I knew Louis was getting ready to do a show, but this was the pilot. And they go, "Louis uh, wants to know if you want to be uh, in the pilot for the show. We'd be filming Monday." And this was the weekend, and I was like, I was like, oh my god! I'm like, yeah, you mean like audition for a part? And they go, no, no, no. He said, he said he wrote the part for you, and he wants you to play. It's just a couple lines in this thing, and I was like, whoa! I was so touched by that. And then they go, they go. Shortly, we'll send you the uh, the sides over, so you can read it over the script. And I was like, great. And they sent it over. When I got in my room that night after my show in in Pittsburgh, I got in my hotel room and I opened it, and the character description. Was like you know his name was like whatever Gary and it was like slovenly fat gross <laughs> trucker greasy sweaty pig and I was like oh like he wrote this for me and then to Louis's credit man I always say I don't even know how it got back to him that way I think I made a joke to the lady when I read that uh, and she uh, she may have told Louis because Louis ran over to me and he was like and by the way he might just be being nice. I like it's also touching if he wrote it for me, but he goes, no, JJJ, I heard that she said I didn't write the part for you. We auditioned plenty of people. We just couldn't find anybody who had the right look. <laughs> you really was a good backpedal was slovenly enough. He said we couldn't find anybody who had the right look who could do the do the lines well. So I said I'd rather have the line read funny than worry about having the big fat slump. But I mean, <laughs> I sort of still fit the description, but uh, he did run over and try to like run an interference in that which was sweet of him for sure. This is ground that's been covered by smarter people than me, but I, you know, I do have a lot of friends. We have a lot of mutual friends who are comedians, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I was a, a, I am a Louis fan, and I, again, with at the risk of not going down this, oh, what do you think of cancel culture? But does he? Is there a road back for a guy like him? Like I, I know he's already doing stuff and he's already you know making money, but is there a way back to mainstream acceptance again for someone like him? Or is, is it always going to be more of a niche thing? I think there's some kind of path maybe, but like, I don't think he'd be willing to do what that path is. I don't think he should do what that path is. And I think he'll be able to perform for, he'll make a ton of money performing for the people that just like, you know, are over it. They get it. You know what I mean? Like he, he ate shit for sure. He got a lot of stuff he lost from it. You know, is it is it a creepy thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, did it destroy lives? I guess who am I to say? But like, didn't seem like it. Do you know what I mean? It just seems like he was like, and he got vilified. He was one of the first guys, so he got like strung up hard. But yeah, I don't think he'd want to. If I were him, I'd be like, nah. Let me just perform for like the people that want to see it can see it. I'll still make the guy can make five to six figures in like uh, a weekend, if if not, you know, uh, more than that people still come you know what i mean he could just do it like that quietly when he wants to and live the rest of his life very comfortably i remember matt damon got in a world of shit for having the audacity to suggest that not everybody gets put in the same bucket yeah aziz ansari should not be tossed in with harvey weinstein you know with not even sort with of. some of these people and that was what was happening now again with louis it was sex and sexuality and the way people get off and the things they do and the whole, the dynamics of sex, right? Yeah. It's such a fragile house of cards, right? Like any little thing can topple it. Fucking who is the arbiter of that? Who's the person that says this has gone too far. This is because I know, I think that almost anybody out there that's listening right now, if, your freaky deaky shit that you like to do, the stuff that gets you off was made fucking public. You know, you might lose your job too. You know, you're not, you know, and, oh. and, and it's like, who's to decide? I get it. I, I understand in the case of Louie, it was, he's lording over people who, with whom he has authority in the workplace. I would, I, I do believe 
whatever it means. I don't know. I, I said when he reflected upon it, he was like, oh, I see now that I was in a position of power. But like as a person who does that too, like I would never – if I was like hitting on a young comic myself, I really wouldn't assume like – I definitely wouldn't want them to like succumb to it because of my position in comedy. Over, do you know what I mean? Like, well, what comedian? What comedian thinks he's in a position? P- p- comedians by nature are the most insecure motherfuckers. At least right, the ones right. I know. Right? I don't know many comedians that ever feel like they're in a position of power. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't be good comedians. So what I will say for Louis, to keep it funny to some degree uh, on this though, it is like, how do you? present it's easier to almost ask like hey do you want to have sex and have them say no and then you know it's like all right we know kind of know where we're at here to have to present your thing that's like not even sex and not even that you don't even want sex you want to do this thing do you know what i mean this like odd thing sure and ask it's like how do you present is there a perfect way to present it if you're just like no 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 I don't want to have sex with you. That would be too much. I just want you to like fart in my mouth while I jerk off. And it's like they run away from that story much more like this guy's a sociopathic creep. He's like, I didn't even try to fuck you. I just wanted you to fart in my mouth. But how do I bring it up without being a creep? Like it's a weird thing for sure. Do you worry about how people perceive you that don't know you? Like in other words, in this age now where nothing's private, nothing's secret, I don't worry how they perceive me. I worry about how they perceive me and then state that, like, they're just right. That's what I mean. Like, if you perceive me as racist, like, you've taken, like, much of my things in crazy wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've, or I should say, you shouldn't even say you've taken them in wrong. You've taken them not the way I intended them to go to hit you. Do you know what I mean? I meant it to hit you funny. But you say, but you think it's racist. And like, that's like, that sucks. I hate that that happens. But like, I'm willing to accept that collateral damage that some people just kind of won't get it and they'll just draw a wacky conclusion. What I hate is that that person now has just as much a voice as any other person in this world <laughs> to go, hey, this guy is a racist or is a not, you know, it's it's pretty wacky. And but, nuance you know. has gotten lost. But sure. that's lo- that's gone now, right? Like, no, if no, you just it, it, say it, you're, you know, I remember watching it. I watched one of your jokes. I was, I mean, I watch a lot of your stuff, but I was watching one of your standups recently and you were talking about being in a hotel in Alaska and someone was knocking on the door and it was a, he was a Puerto Rican Puerto guy. Rican, yeah. And you said, I, you were worried he was going to do Puerto Rican things, right? Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Is there, when you did that joke it was probably a couple of years ago, right? Is there any... Yeah, that was a very long time ago. Actually, it's from my half, 2008. Oh, Jesus. Right. Okay, well, then you didn't worry about it at all back then. But when you look back on something like that, is there are, are there any... Like regrets at all? Yeah, anything? No, not at all. I don't think so. No, no, because like, <laughs> that's almost what I mean about it. Like, to regret it would have to mean that like I meant some ill will to it. Now, if you were like, hey, this dumb joke you said cost you something really big that you wanted, you know, it cost me really big... Then you go, do you regret saying it? I go, yeah, I guess so. Like, it, I feel like it unjustly cost me this, like, major thing or money or something in my life. Like, I'm like, no, that's – then, yeah, I do regret it. Regret saying, like, the joke – I don't regret it because I've – nothing I've ever said comedically is meant in, like, malice at all. It's meant for silly. Now, I know it's, like, oftentimes uh, at someone's expense, but, like – and I always say this, and, like, the, in the bitchiest, most, like – schoolyard way it's meant to be behind their backs for a pocket of people that are listening to it for us to all snicker together do you know what i mean i'm just doing that on a grander scale and i realize that there is collateral damage but like upon meeting anybody i've ever shit on we go at Corey feldman pretty hard on my radio show if Corey feldman came on it, the first thing would be such a, a fucking verbal v- bj session on him because we have to we have to first get out the thing it's like oh shit this is Corey feldman then you got to go Hey, dude, what's with this wacky music and what the hell's going on with you and your crazy life and all this shit? You know, like then all the things we make fun of, but there's still like that, oh shit, he's Corey Feldman like moment, you know, uh, of like respect. But I don't know, to, to, to backtrack to what you were saying though, like the, the days of those things are gone. They're still here, but it's like it, it has to be called so grossly, like it's almost like a black market of like comedy. You have to go to like the podcast networks, which, you know, we have and we do so it's like I, I, I like it in that regard and i like that it can be like the wild west but like i have like limits like there's things that like 
someone could say that I'd be like, oh, I don't stand by that. Like, like the joke wasn't funny enough, and I'm not like getting, you know what I mean? And not because I go, I am totally fine. You were trying to be funny, so I don't think you should be punished in any way. I'm just going like, I'm not cool. That didn't make me laugh. So it was like, I don't know. You were just trying to be like, cause a problem almost. Like you were just trying to say something provocative without there without any any comedic value to it. Have you ever told a joke that? You mentioned you kind of touched on it earlier where it could be someone got hurt by it. Have you ever told a joke that was clearly based on someone they knew it was based on him and they called you out on it? Yeah. Yeah, a couple nothing like really actually nothing really too like devastating. I've had to run things by my daughter that I talk about her. She got older. She's eighteen now. So she was getting like in her teen years and she knew what I did and she kinda of understood it. I would tell her before I did something on television or something about you know, not for like club sets and stuff that doesn't matter but when things were being recorded and i was going to uh do a joke about her that was like you know my stuff's definitely like crass and it's dirty humor you know it's uh sure. it's a uh, blue <laughs> i love that term but it was uh yeah you know that's how i uh i the only thing i would ever have to approach is her and she's never had a problem with anything i've said in comedy do you ever have any uh you know now that everything's recorded and you can't really, unlike you know a band, it's such the it's such an opposite thing in comedy. When you're in a band, if you don't play all the shit that they you know like the old stuff, people are like, "What the yeah. fuck?" Whereas with comedy, you can't. Are there jokes and routines that you've done over the years that you just miss, man? You're like, "God, I want to bust that. I would love to bust that back out." No, no, it's no, once you do it, it's all. done. It's gone. Yeah, well, I mean, I do it for like you know any couple jokes that i'll have like long bits like i'll probably do for like a few years before i like put into a special or something you know that's how like the specials are at least for me seem to be drug out like a couple years in between so like for two years i'll build up like an hour or so just from like but i I draw that off from like crowd work and storytelling and then it just drifts off into my points and and nonsense and then and then I usually get in trouble at some point, and then I have to talk about that <laughs> and how like ridiculous I think the trouble is. You know, it's funny. The Netflix did an interesting thing, and I and, I, and Robbie Pro over there, who I love, uh, Robbie, dear friend, but you know he's just the messenger of these things. Tom Segura said uh, the word retard in one of his specials, and because that happened, they got a little, they got some backlash for that Netflix. So I had a bit in my half hour i did for for netflix that i really i still do i do this i do it on the road so the good news is like i didn't have to kill it uh on the road because it was on a special but i still want to do it on a special but it was about getting flack for using the word retards on the radio and tom segura i don't i don't know what the joke was exactly where he said retards or what it was about but i tried to explain to Netflix was this joke though. I, I talk about someone getting angry that I said the word on the radio. And then I over explain the idea that I go, I understand why this guy was upset. I don't necessarily agree with it, but rather than make an argument with a guy who I assumed he was so passionate about that. I shouldn't have said this. He wanted me fired for saying retards that I assumed he had family members or something that was, uh, family you know, kids or whatever that were mentally challenged and he heard me say retards on a radio show and, and he got angry and I, I the whole point is explaining that i understand now it does wrap around to be a coarse joke for sure but it's the making the point it's a grander point within the joke and as i explain that as long and boringly as i just did now to him it goes it doesn't matter the word retards in it and that guy, that's what bummed me out because I go, man, this was such a great joke to explain the, the heart of, I understand that sucks, man, and I apologize. But then also explain that, like, people make it all about them. This guy, I realized upon apologizing to him in our back and forth that's explaining the joke, is that he's putting it on me like I'm like like I'm the enemy of, like, his life and what he yeah. has to deal with. And I'm like, oh, you're – no, dude, when I said it, I wasn't talking about your kid, you know, who he was upset about. I, was like, I wasn't talking about her, but I still apologized, and you're st- and he kind of kept coming at me, and is the point of the story. But I think that was a thing that would have been good to say because it explains both sides of it well with understanding on both sides, and that's just not. So again, it almost uh, it goes to the thing where I say how many critics I've had where I'm like, hey, why don't we talk? 
Why don't we talk this out publicly even? I'll, I'll talk it out because whatever you're calling me, I'm not. So I don't have to watch what I say or make sure we're not live or anything. Like I, I'll do whatever form. Let's talk. No, you're you're bullying us into a debate or I mean the craziest things I've gotten back for stuff like this. But uh what's interesting about the word retard and by the way, all the flags are going up now before I say this, but what is interesting about the word retard is and I get it. I get it. I get it why people get upset, but it's really kind of the one word that like the group that it's targeted at doesn't give a fuck. Because I'm still pretty sure it's the medical term. I don't think it's like it's like you're saying it's like it's uh but when you again when you say something's retarded like you know you're talking about like just de- you're talking about difference like oh this is like a deviation from the norm like do you know what I mean it's like yeah, you're talking weird, about it in the most in the most literal sense that you're not going like when you say something like oh this sandwich is retarded good you're not going this sandwich is those stupid slack jaw bumbling idiots good yeah <laughs> like, exactly that's not what you mean <laughs> like like but they go oh you're just using the word but still you use the word he goes dude context has to matter or or what do we do are we robots talking like tone not that's why texting sucks that's why social media sucks with uh, just the written word because there's no tone and people say you're a horrible person. He goes, yeah, I guess if you read, you know, have you ever seen when they do, I'm sorry to cut you, I'm rambling. No, no, but- no, no, it's, it's totally fine, but you just you made me think of something. Uh, not long ago, I had Brian Cranston was on the show and when I was cutting promo together for the episode, mm-hmm. it was a really funny exchange with he and I, we had been talking about bar fights earlier in the show and then I, I, I recounted a story where I was in New York City and I ran into uh, Preet Bharara, the former U.S. Uh, the district uh, 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 U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Trump fired him. He was a famous guy, kind of. And Cranston made a joke at the end that was really funny, and it was basically a joke that was based on my fictional girlfriend that I didn't have at the time, fictionally sleeping with Preet Bharara. You know, he said uh-huh. something like, oh, I'll just say what he fucking said. He goes, oh, did, did this end in a bar fight? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I kicked his ass because he, he slept with my girlfriend. That I didn't have a girlfriend. And clearly he didn't sleep with my girlfriend. And right. and Brian Cranston goes, well, who hasn't? And I and then I went, <laughs> and I went, well, yeah, who hasn't? And even then I, I tried it like subconsciously save it. I go, yeah, who hasn't Preet Bharara slept with? But anyway, he goes, who hasn't? So I cut this promo together and I show a friend and my friend says, I wouldn't run that promo. <laughs> because he's slut shaming Brian Cranston. Not that he is, but someone could accuse him of slut shaming. So <laughs> by making a joke about who hasn't slept with my fictional girlfriend who did not who fictionally slept with Pre Perara, he could and I and I realized, you know what? Someone fucking will. Someone will. And I didn't want to cause well, problems for, for Brian Cranston. So I didn't you know, he would never say that about a real person. He would never do that. Dan the stupid people the stupid people have the same access to having their voice heard as anybody else and advertisers are afraid of stupid people making us think about something it's insane that you have to describe that you're joking about something that's that obviously joking like it's again and then they, they make it a thing slut shaming uh fat shaming and all these crazy things that are just like you know it, by the way i heard I, louis ck uh Fat shamed you once by writing a script. Really, she really did that, son of a bitch. Yeah, I just yeah. want to make sure I can recall things because I'm drinking tequila, so I have to recall from the earlier in the Louis. I'm waiting do- for his. I'm waiting for his. Com- I'm waiting for his big comeback, and then I'm going to bring him down <laughs> for fat shaming. You should be like Louis. Tell that story. Go like weepy. Go on. It's go on Ellen and be like, I will need to tell you about the time Louis C.K. <laughs> fat shamed me. No, it's it's really like a. It's a it's a bad thing. I don't. I don't we said we're protecting like the stupid. Like you have to explain. That you're joking about something that shouldn't require that. You know, it's what happened to Shane Gillis with the SNL thing. It's like, you have to come out. It's like, well, he did these like racist uh, Asian terms and whatever. And the and the whole impression was whatever. And it's like, you have to come out of it. it, it it's like, again, it's like a magician going, it's like, well, we can't walk out of here believing you are magic, sir. Show me how you did it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to come out and go, no, well, it goes, okay, the thing was, I said the words because that was the words that the ignorant person would use as the character we were doing describing being like white men in the 50s seeing Chinatown for the first time. And 
So we sunk into those characters without saying it. We just started changing our voices a little bit, and and we said some coarse words. And 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 you have to just like because they just go Shane Gillis does uh, does Ching Chong voices and whatever. It's like I mean, come on, man. You know what's dangerous, Jay, is when we say stupid people, but it's smart stupid people. It's people that otherwise they, they, you know they they they're no, dude, it's susceptible. It's susceptible people. It's people who can be hypnotized. It's people who are so open to suggestion that the slightest thing makes them move on it without even thinking because I've never met one that can argue me well at all where I have to I'll, I'll concede and I've conceded on things where I'm like sure I understand why you feel that way that that the joke where I say uh, retard is is very evident of that I get it but like the other people they're so passionate without thought behind what they're saying they're just going with like the general moral of everything so once the problem is once they sling at me like and i think black people shouldn't be killed by the police and i go of god damn course they shouldn't then they go wait i thought okay you made that joke about uh, female cops before so i was thinking that you made a joke about female cops, so I thought maybe you were racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just this kills the thing when you go, you know, I was making a joke. But, of course, that's a, a terrible thing that's going on. And, and it's stuff like that that makes me crazy where I go, just the term, your, my truth. It's, you hear that bandied about it? There's no your truth. There's a truth. There's, there's what's wrong, and then there's truth. There's your interpretation. There's your opinion. But you don't get your own truth. Stuff that's true is true, right, right. or wrong. No, God absolutely. Damn it, let's have some tequila. This thing's getting way too heavy. Nope. Let's have a drink of tequila no, no, here but quickly. But you, are, but you are absolutely right. Like tr- exactly, that's my point. I'm saying, like, you can say the truth is Jay told a joke where he said blah blah blah, and it was a black person stealing. Right <laughs> somewhere in the punchline is a black person stealing something. Whatever. It's a dumb fucking cast off thing without having to explain to the audience. Like when I make that joke, you're doing it in like the blah. There's the fucking old uncle. Uh, racist joke you hear at the fucking Thanksgiving thing table, you know, when no black people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's like the, the wonk wonk of it, of a ridiculous joke. And I think, but, but if you don't explain it to them, they go home thinking you're like, this guy was just preaching the word up there. He goes, no, it's just horse shit. <laughs> like, it's comedy. I, I say it, it's, it's, it's a bummer because I, I said this on stage recently and people like argued with me after the show, even like it's positive. It's all sweet. But I was like, if I hear one more person tell me how important comedy is, like I'm going to fucking like choke on my own vomit. I mean, and then people after the show go, no, it's important, man. We work fucking warehouse jobs and these radio shows and your podcasts and all this stuff like, nah, man, that's like, we're with you every day. And we, and it is important. I go, no, you know what? entertainment that we provide is important but stop taking what we say we're not fucking street profits man (laughs) like i've never said anything that i'm like how profound i just keep yelling out the obvious like things like stop stop saying this crazy shit i haven't figured something out some recipe you're just i'm doing something in complete lighthearted nonsense and you're going this is gospel shitty speaking about whatever his feelings about women and and people of color and all. I have the most general I'd be blown away by people who don't have the most basic morals I have. You know, we're we're sitting here on the day that uh George Floyd's uh killer, I guess, technically, you know. Got like convicted, uh, yeah. Uh got convicted. And it's like when you hear that, like, what do you think I go? It's like another cop sandbag or something. <laughs> I'm like, nah, dude, that's <laughs> fucking this guy was like, that's crazy what he did to him. Like it's not. He should be convicted of murder. Of course, like, yeah, of course. I also man. don't think that. Mean, I also don't think that means every time a black guy has a gun in his belt and uh, coke in his pocket and a bunch of little baggies, and the cops arrest him like they're harassing him. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like I don't yeah. know. It's like there's also black drug dealers, man. Like what's a? But like, uh, don't kill him either, please. <laughs> you know, like don't kill the black drug dealer. And again, Jay, dumb. Let's have some tequila, quick. <laughs> yeah. You're upsetting me. You're really upsetting me now. I didn't think we were going to go here. No, no, you know what? This is a, this is a good no, conversation. I like it. Now, you, you got the silver tequila? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do that. I'm doing the – man, see if it makes you feel better. What do you think of the taste? This is a show called What We're Drinking. What do you think of the taste of the tequila? Okay, so it's exactly what I, I hope for silver tequila because I'm such a lame-o at booze. It tastes like nothing. It you mean like it's, just, it's not – It's very smooth, smooth and it's, very it's smooth. not – Not overbearing at all. 
Yeah, so I'm digging this Casazul, but as a wise man once said, a person can't live on tequila alone. A wise man was my uncle Knuckles. Knuckles was a rum guy. Loved his rum. I do too. He was more, you know, Bacardi. I'm talking, I'm Batiste rum, which is the first sustainable American craft rum. Batiste. Called the 3R rum because the makers of Batiste rum practice regenerative agriculture. They use renewable energy and they make responsible choices, unlike my uncle Fonzo. And here's the kicker, baby. Here's the kicker Batiste rum is made from 100% pure, fresh cane juice. If you like your tequila 100% agave, then you're gonna love your rum. 100% cane juice. It is distilled sunshine. Check out BatisteRum.com to learn more. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M. By the way, it's the tip of the hat to the French Caribbean where Batiste Rum is sourced. Go there, check it out, try it. And Uncle Fonzo, I miss you, buddy. So, you don't like stuff that just... You you don't like stuff that's too much, too complex, too much going on. No, I just have like, I don't know what it is. I have such a, a gag reflex on booze. When I used to go out with uh, Dave Attell on the road all the time, we uh, he when he was drinking still, he hasn't drank in a long time now. But uh, when he was drinking still, tells you how long I've been in comedy. Uh, he was I, I was with him at a point where Jaeger was his drink. And, uh, Which always ends so, well. <laughs> so I, when I'd go on the road with him, like as not much of a drinker as I st- still am not really, like uh, I'd do some Jaeger shots with him. And I, I, the taste was so red. It's one of my least favorite flavors is the uh, black licorice flavor. That, yeah. I can't take it. And, and But like I'd choke it down with like a Diet Coke or something with him. Uh, many times on stage, I said he'd bring me on stage at the end of the show and he'd say, let's do a shot the end of the show and he'd get us two Jaeger shots and I would have no nothing with I started to learn to bring a soda up with me or something because he would have me do a shot and a few times I got stuck up there with no chaser and just had to take that down and smile to an audience which was bizarre yeah but one time my last time I think ever having Jaeger I went with him to Mohegan Sun for a gig and we went in uh after the show we went into one of like the bars upstairs. It was very clubby, this place. Very loud music, but we were in it just to have a drink or so. And what I was drinking at the time, it wasn't even, I'm sorry, it wasn't even a Jaeger at that point. At that point, I told him that my drink was, uh, I used to do chilled vodka because it tastes like nothing. And I could just chase it with something and it would go down easy. And Atel, <laughs> Atel, is one of the most generous, the most generous person I think in my entire life ever. It's it's pretty amazing what he's done for me. And like he's a guy. If we'd go on the road, he would buy me five packs of cigarettes for the road. But what's very David Tell about it is like I'd smoke at the time Marlboro Ultralights, and he would get me five packs of Marlboro Lights. Does that make sense? Like <laughs> yeah. it's so generous, but also not paying attention enough to know the thing. Yep. So for probably months with him at this point, when I got off the, I, I had to throw up one night from Jaeger that just killed me on Jaeger. So he almost respected me having my own drink, but my drink was chilled vodka. And I went to the bathroom and I came out of the bathroom and Atel, thank God, had his back to me at this bar. And he over his shoulder, he looks at me and he goes, hey, that's a key. He goes, that vodka shot's for you right there. And I go, oh, cool. And I had my soda and I pounded this vodka shot and again just eat it he just didn't know chilled he ordered me a vodka shot but it was warm i can only describe it as piss warm and it just hit my mouth and i just instinctually welded up in my mouth and i'm just not good but i'm not good with texture and bad taste in my mouth i get gaggy and it just i don't even think i got down my throat like it just the taste hit me so hard that i just threw up all over the bar right behind david tell and but it wasn't hammered. It was just the taste and everything hit me. So I went into the bathroom and kind of cleaned myself up, finished throwing it up. And I was, you know, stone sober still. And I was like, man, I, I got to go there and explain this. And when I walked out, the bartender was very coolly. Atel's back was still to it. He had no idea it happened. I still have no idea to this day if you know if it happened. But the bartender was just, you know, ragging up my 
my vomit off the bar and like looking at me and just like shaking his head no and it was like which was pretty cool of him he didn't make it a thing because it was <laughs> it should have been a thing i yacked all over that casino bar but so with, with something like this with the tequila would you do a tequila cocktail i mean right now you're drinking the the silver the blanco neat would you do tequila in a cut do you have a, a tequila drink that you like or no uh i'll mix it like tequila with like pineapple juice and just kind of drink it like that too but i i uh my thing with with booze how it works it's funny too and i'm and i genuinely mean this and i would say if i did, i have a problem with cigarettes for sure i have a major addiction problem with cigarettes booze just never really struck me like that like i don't like the taste of almost any of it so i look for the thing that has like the least taste and the most smooth just go down and can be masked with any with any other kind of uh flavor you're not drinking for the enjoyment necessarily. For you, it's like you don't want, you just want your, it's a delivery system. You just want the alcohol part of it. You're not really interested in the taste. I'm going, I'm going, uh, I usually, my, my recipe is, this is why I've never had a drinking problem ever. I don't drink sometimes just circumstantially for months. And then sometimes I drink for like seven weekends in a row. You know what I mean? Like, but when I drink, when I say drink for seven weekends in a row, over the course of a night of two shows on a weekend is usually when this will happen. I'll have uh, – usually I won't drink at all Thursday, but Friday and Saturday maybe a little bit. Generally only Friday, and if I do, it's over the course of two shows, four or five shots of chilled tequila and like maybe a beer chaser but probably just soda. Because my thing – and when they bring it, I say bring me three at first, and I knock those three down. And that is because I'm just like – Let's get there. Let's have some fun. And then I don't have to sit here and sip this whole night against my, you know, against my better judgment. Like, then I can just drink a soda or a, uh, or, you know, a Michelob Ultra, uh, low carbs, and just mill around and not have it. You know what I mean? Like, and feel that looseness. I, I like to feel the looseness of it, but I also, I don't like being drunk. Like, where I, where the rooms, you know, no one likes being room spinning. You mean, you mean when you're, oh, I, oh, the room spinning in general. I meant, do you ever no, have you even, ever you would never have you ever been drunk performing? That's got to be not good, right? Uh, I'm sure it's happened, and I was just able to kind of pull it together, just kind of get through it. You know what I mean? Like, but not drunk where it's like I'm slurring my words, but like spacey maybe from it. I was like, oh, I drank a little too much. But like uh, even tonight, I know now there's still a little bit left in this drink, but I'm not going to have any more because I'm like the next thing, the next level from where I'm at now. I just know already is like, oh, I'm going to be like sloppy make a weird <laughs> phone call like lay my head down so i'm like in my mind i'm like i'd rather have dinner and watch a movie or tv show or something no, you know, i get like, that uh, part of it man i'm you know i'm out in, on the west coast so when i do these things a lot of times it's early so we'll have some drinks and then it's like uh oh wow it's only five o'clock now and i've had five drinks what am i gonna yeah, do now zipped let me see if some <laughs> ex-girlfriends want to hear from me yeah oh i got some i got some ex-girlfriends i can curse yeah out. let me do that well, Jay, this has been a lot of fun, man. I, I'm a big fan of your comedy. I oh, thank uh, you, am. I think you have been doing it for a long time. You've been doing it well for a long time, and you stick to your guns. I, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was the Skank Fest. Is that still happening? Uh, yeah, I don't have the dates on it, but it is. It's it's announced though. It's happening in November, I believe, in all in. Houston, Texas, at the secret group at Skank's Fest South. And uh, we should be announcing a date, I believe, for Skank Fest New York soon. But if not, there will be one next year. Everything's gotten fucking wonky right now. But that is a, it's such a grassroots, amazing thing that uh, Lewis, my partner on Legion of Skanks, and uh, Rebecca Trent from the Creek in the Cave, and, uh, and my girlfriend, Christine, they put the whole thing together. And I mean, from... From concept to execution, it's gone from something that was like a couple hundred people to a couple thousand people in a few years, and it's been uh, it's been amazing. So it's cool to see that. To so see November, that. that's coming back. And then one other quick thing, man, you you moved off, I guess, Comedy Central Radio, got rid of all their talk shows, and now you're on Faction Talk. What is, what does talk. that mean? What is Faction Talk? What is it? I don't know at all. I think even everybody on the network actually – complains about that not fully sure what it means but 
The more important thing than whatever the station is called is that after it says XL, which means we can say whatever we want. You can do it. With <laughs> Dan, he does that with Dan Soder. Uh, Dan, another comedian. He's also, you can see him on Billions. Mafee, very good on that. All my partners, man. Dave Smith, uh, Louis J. Gomez and Legion of Skanks, uh, and Dan Soder on Bonfire. I, I get a, such a great opportunity to work with like the people that I think – uh, which is the most important to me, and that that I think are the funniest fucking people in the world. And there's a lot of people that support that. So it's it's them and it's Justin cool. Silver, and Justin Silver. No, I'm saying my whole group, the whole kind of the, the whole the whole gaggle of friends. Like I wouldn't hang out with anybody who I didn't think was like funny. You know what I mean? Because that's what I'd want to do. When we hang out, we want to like shit talk and be funny. And uh, so I mean, my guys, like my crew of people that I would say that were the crew that I'm in rather is just like uh the guys that i think are the funniest so yeah i'm lucky as hell in that regard big j okerson likes his casas as azul in a plastic cup oh, yeah. with ice yeah cold chilled <laughs> slamming back a corona right slamming. after that a corona and a marble light ultra whatever the fuck you're smoking no and that was weed no that was he's <laughs> ah, it's okay today well actually we are also recording this on 420 Today we is indeed. 420, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Jay, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Big J Okerson on pretty much everything. It's uh, Big J, B-I-G-J-A-Y-O-A-K-E-R-S-O-N. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on all social media like that. Instagram's putting up a bunch of my stand-up stuff now. I've got a, uh, I got a regular situation going on where like they're putting out content pretty regularly. So, yeah, check that out and enjoy a bonfire on Sirius XM, Faction Talk 103, Legion of Skanks and the Gas Digital Network. You can watch it free uh, every Monday or uh, every Friday. You can watch the shows for free two a week. Look at that. All the plugs. That I, I should have prepared plugs. that. I should have. You know what? I feel bad about myself because I don't prepare really much. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I have the booze. I got you the booze. The booze got sure. sent. That's preparation. Yeah, the booze got but, sent. You know, yeah, booze got sent. Always make sure that happens. Anyway, Big J Okerson, great having you, brother. Thanks for Thank being on the man. show. How about last night? You might have noticed Daddy acting a little strange, and you probably don't understand why. I understand why. You were wasted. I admit it. I didn't know when to say when. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. I want to thank Big J Okerson for being on. Since we had a comedian on, and Jay is one of the best, I... I, I was flipping through a book I have called I Found This Funny. My favorite pieces of humor and some that may not be funny at all. It was edited by Judd Apatow. And in there is a piece by the late Nora Ephron called What I Wish I'd Known. I'm going to leave you with that today. This is what Nora Ephron wished she'd known. People have only one way to be. Buy, don't rent. Never marry a man you wouldn't want to be divorced from. Don't cover a couch with anything that isn't more or less beige. The last four years of psychoanalysis are a waste of money. Write everything down. Keep a journal. Take more pictures. You can order more than one dessert. Back up your files. Over-insure everything. The minute you decide to get divorced, go see a lawyer and file the papers. Over-tip. Never let them know. If only one-third of your clothes are mistakes, you're ahead of the game. If friends ask you to be their child's guardian in case they die in a plane crash, you can say no. And finally, there are no secrets. <laughs> <laughs>